0: As a kid I wanted to be a superhero, I wanted to have powers, and I wanted that because I wanted people to admire me for something, I guess. I wanted to be celebrated. When you have full-blown self-expression and there's no barriers holding you back, it's truly powerful.
1: This is Gender Euphoria, a limited podcast series from Broccoli Content. My name is Hannah Walker-Brown and over the next seven episodes, I'm going to be interviewing people I really admire about when they feel most like themselves, what brings them joy and pleasure, and their individual journeys to self-acceptance. When we only talk about pain, misery, trans people are turned into statistics
0: and it, it takes the human nature of us away being yourself is radical. It's an act of defiance in itself, just allowing yourself to live authentically. In this
1: episode, I'm talking to Teo.
0: Well, hello, my name's Teo. I'm a writer and an artist, or a writer-artist is something I've started saying (laughs) recently. Um, I'm non-binary, and I use they, them pronouns.
1: So tell me a little bit more about this writer-artist, artist-writer relationship, that kind of collaboration.
0: I really see them as the same thing, which is why I've started saying writer-artist, because um, I go to art school currently, but um, I have always enjoyed writing. And I've kind of discovered how much writing is a part of my creative process, whether that be because I am hoping to create something that's a piece of writing or... A sculpture or a painting, writing plays such a key role in that for me. And it's very central to the way that I think and the way that I process, the way that I learn, the way that I heal. It's very much core to that process. And I think that it's such a wonderful tool to explore, because words represent so many things. <laughs> and so you have so much to play with, with words. And I just find that very joyous um yeah so that's kind of where my my practice is at at the moment at least and I think that's kind of where I'm being pulled is more towards words and writing and language
1: I mean this is the first time that we've met but I can feel that joy behind your words and even in your email when we first spoke and I mentioned this kind of what we were doing this week the conversations we'd be having and this idea of gender euphoria at the core you we're really behind it. Um, And you mentioned how important it was because the trans narrative is often one of pain and suffering.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I think that um, the narrative around trans experience is often one that is catered towards cis people. And whether that be written by cis people or written by trans people, it's often a cry for support and that often comes in the form of, look at my pain. This is something you should care about. And um, that's not uncommon. That's something you see, you know, it's coming up to Christmas. And, you know, if you watch TV, all the adverts are um, really quite upsetting because they're displaying pain to get you to um, donate money to charity and so on. It's all kind of trying to create that point of empathy. Um, But I think that has kind of trapped the narrative into being one of only pain and that trans joy is a lesser known thing, which is kind of bizarre because we all know that life is a combination of joy and pain and and so on. And the fact that trans joy is such a rare thing to be expressed and shared widely is not uncoincidental it helps to constrict the trans narrative to further obscure trans identities and to keep them at the margin rather than to bring them into the centre by just keeping the narrative as that of pain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's been really interesting about this week is so many different people such a kind of kaleidoscope of identity and each with an individual way through whether that's pain whether that is struggle um whether it's joy because I think what this week has proven you know something that we we knew all along but there isn't a one-size-fits-all journey for humans and every kind of route through is as unique as the people that we are?
0: Well, first of all, I think that's, that is so incredibly valuable because it is such a unique experience. And um, to hear the multiplicities there is very important because it just allows people to see that they can come to something in their own way, on their own terms. And as for my experience, I have been through many words, expressed myself through many different kinds of language. And non-binary is kind of the word that I'm landed on at the moment, but there's still, there's something there that I'm not quite satisfied with, and I can't quite figure out what that is at this point in time, but I'm sure one day I'll figure it out. But to take it back to the beginning, I um, spent the first 16 years of my life living as a girl, and um, realized around the age of 15, 16, that something was up and it was to do with my gender and my gender expression. And then one day um, kind of woke up with the word trans in my head. And um, it just felt very right. It felt like it explained my experience. It made me feel valid. It made me feel part of a community and that I wasn't alone in this feeling, That these feelings that I was experiencing. And so then I socially transitioned and um, changed my name, changed my pronouns and uh, lived um, as myself for two or three years before I started uh, hormone replacement therapy, um, which has been nearly coming up on four years now since I started hormones. And well, I never thought I would be where I am now because... I found that I got to a point where I was passing as a, and when I say passing, I'm saying that in quotation marks, but I was passing as a a man nearly 100% of the time. I got top surgery and I felt very comfortable going swimming with um, just trunks on and all these kinds of things. And I found myself in combination with societal expectations, but also on myself, I was forcing myself into another box because I was craving some kind of solidity and um, the chaos of getting on hormones, the the journey of your body changing through transition and the way that people treated me was changing. And I just wanted something to feel solid. And I guess I forced myself into another box and then came to realize that I wasn't comfortable in that box either and that my experience of gender is so much more expansive than any binary language to explain it. And so I started, instead of saying that I was a trans man, I started saying trans masculine. Then I just started saying trans. And then now I kind of say trans non-binary because I feel that including trans in that, um, it it tells the story of of a transition, of a transcendence through identity and then non-binary to illustrate that I'm transcending, but not from one side to another, from an infinite, (laughs) transcending through infinity.
1: (laughs) And I think there's kind of a theme emerging here about language and the importance of language. And I suppose, on the kind of one hand, if we're really looking at that spectrum, that kaleidoscope of human experience, so kind of not just looking at joy, which we will get to, but labels, I suppose labels are integral to human experience. Labels are words, words are language. I feel like we're getting really philosophical in this one. Um, And I suppose it's not just kind of the language that is external, so from other sources, but it's also the language you know you within you how you see yourself how you talk to yourself how you explain yourself how you identify
0: yeah and I think that's the difference between um the time in my life when I identified as a trans man because that and this is not the same for every trans person and by far not the case for the majority of trans men, I I just came to attribute a certain kind of pain with that time in my life, because all I knew was about gender dysphoria. And I knew that I experienced it. And I knew it defined every waking moment of my life. You know, from the moment I got up and had to decide what to wear that day to greeting people in the morning to the whole way through the day, that dysphoria was very much present. And then having to finding myself putting myself more and more into a box that was also painful because I was denying myself and that's a really powerful and painful thing to do and I think we all do it in some way or another we are all denying something of ourselves because we have an image of ourselves that of who we think we are and who we want to be and often those are very different but sometimes they are actually the same and I just found that changing the language that I've used to describe my gender has also opened doors to accept all of me. (laughs) Because I open the door back open to femininity and I allow myself to play with femininity in the way that I remembered wanting to play with it when I was um, a younger teenager. And there was a part of me that wanted to deny that fact, wanted to deny the fact there was a time when I enjoyed femininity because I felt like it invalidated my identity. But I have opened myself up to that, which has also meant that I'm able to open myself up to other things that I'm in denial of, of you know, my faults and my flaws and habits that I wish I didn't have and kind of just look at them as what they are and, and just accept them and see what I can do to change them or what work can be done or whether it's something I just need to grow with or grow away from kind of thing. And that has really come from lessons I've learned from um, my gender identity for sure.
1: And it's sort of been a running theme this week in the conversations we're having that that kind of evolution of self, allowing that fluidity, that flow, because, you know, we... Are never the same person tomorrow as we were yesterday, and I think actually there's something to be said for for not restricting who we are and who we're capable of becoming. And I think that requires a confidence. I think stepping into that authenticity of self is well, it is radical. We said this a lot this week. What are the moments when you feel most confident, when you feel most like yourself?
0: Hmm. I think on the days when I've allowed myself time to really think, what is it that, how do I want to express myself today? How do I want to move through these moments today? And just giving myself just a few minutes, you know, whether that's just over sipping my coffee in the morning rather than filling my head by listening to a podcast or, or listening to music or something, just kind of give myself two minutes to think, where am I at today? And how do I want to express that? Or do I not want to express that? And um, to kind of approach things with play in mind, because I think that's something we kind of lose a lot as we grow older, this kind of notion of play. And, Um, recently I started wearing makeup again, and that's very much about play for me. I'm able to separate like how I look wearing makeup from how I think that defines me. There was a time when, you know, wearing makeup meant, oh yes, I I am a woman because I look like this when I wear makeup. And so it's all okay. (laughs) It's all fine because I look this way, but now I'm able to just put on makeup because it's fun to do so, it's relaxing, it's a nice thing to just spend time doing something for yourself in the morning, getting ready for the day, and to just have fun with it, and not see that it must then define who I am that day. You know, whether I have like a winged eyeliner or, or not doesn't define who I am or how I have to act. And in that kind of recognition of, of that, that's where I find a lot of joy and feel the most um, authentic. And it's, it's kind of a a theme, I think, for me is trying to recognize that I can both be and not be something in one moment. And because that's possible, even though it seems so outlandish and impossible, just accepting that I can both be happy and sad as you know, the most basic example, I think, there's so much complexity to every moment that we deny because it makes it easier to move through them. But if we just accept that we can be both proud, but also embarrassed, but also so on, you know, it just allows for you to kind of tap into something that is greater than just that one truth. You know, there's so many truths that exist. And if we don't deny any of them, then we can really f- sit in a place that I think allows for play and allows for joy in a way that just, it just hits different.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think as humans, we do ourselves a great disservice if we're not willing to accept all the shades. You know, I've had yeah. conversations with very close friends who, who will refuse to accept that bad things happen right. to the point where, you know, it's positive, 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 And yes, positivity, a positive mental attitude absolutely has its place within our experience as humans. But also if we disregard or push down that other side, that side that perhaps doesn't agree with everything, that that perhaps might be jealous, that is having a bad day, you know, eventually Mm. will combust or, you know, it, it will build and build and build until it has nowhere to go yeah. and that's when it's directed somewhere yeah. that it really shouldn't be or channeled into something that's actually quite destructive. Mm-hmm. And so if we think about this concept of gender euphoria, what sort of things come to mind when I say these words or, or when I first <laughs> sort of got in touch and you saw those words, what was it that, what, what does it kind of spark in you?
0: I think there is a really interesting relationship between gender and euphoria, especially for trans folk. It's really, they're very tied and um, sometimes they are separate and yeah. Um, I'm just smiling to myself because I'm remembering a moment about a week or two ago when I felt very gender euphoric. And it was a moment where I was sat on my bed and I was just typing. I was just writing something and I turned and caught my reflection and my hair was like half up in a bun. It was all falling out and my glasses were like slipping off my nose. I was in my pajamas and like hadn't shaved my face in a while and just looked really mucky but I just couldn't help but smile because I looked so much like myself. And that was a really euphoric moment. And I haven't experienced a moment that was so tied, like a euphoric moment that was so tied to gender like that in a while. Because I only really started growing my hair out like a year or so ago. And now this is, it's at the length that I kind of dreamt of having it at. And so to be able to see like, you know, my facial hair and my long hair and just kind of catch myself. In the corner of my eye doing something that I really love and it just was like a combination of kind of general creative euphoria as well as gender euphoria and um, actually that reminds me of um, something a friend of mine once said about um, they like to refer to their gender as like gender creative like they just create with gender and whatever comes comes and it's all just an experiment and it's just play and creation and i really like that notion
1: yeah and i think fundamentally it comes back to what we were saying before about this idea of flow about you making up your own rules because you are your own person i think that's such a yes radical but essential yes way through
0: and trusting yourself That's something that I've really learned at art school. I really had a fear of failure and I still do, (laughs) but I wasn't even aware of that um, going to art school. And suddenly something that was kind of a, a hobby before became something I was getting graded on. And so it just really maximized that fear of doing something wrong and being judged and, um, making mistakes. And I think that making mistakes are so important and kind of seeing that a mistake isn't failure and failure isn't even failure. It's just the next lesson that you've learned. And, um, you might even unlearn it one day. You never know. (laughs) And that, that sense of play, I think to really see, um, experimenting as, as playful and creative rather than, um, succeeding in something I think is really key and especially for like kind of finding joy because you sometimes find it where you least expect it.
1: I think so too and so if we're thinking about this narrative of joy and celebration why do you think it is absent or I guess not as prevalent I suppose as pain and suffering why is it that joy feels quite radical within this space
0: i think because in a way joy is alarming isn't quite the right word but thinking about why pain is used as the narrative it is to kind of alarm and to shock people into action but i think actually joy has a just as powerful reaction in people and i think it it. It's even more powerful, perhaps, because it really opens the door to a really wide range of reactions. Because I find that the people, and this is only from my experience, but the people who have had a problem with my queerness, with my transness, have, and you know, they deny my existence, they deny my joy, they deny that that I deserve to even be alive. Those were the people who actually, at the end of the day, turned out to be queer or trans themselves. (laughs) And I think that's kind of unique to um, the situations that I was in. But I think that people who so so viscerally deny other people's existence and other people's joy are actually more often denying something in themselves. And to see trans joy and to react in a way that is violent, or or um, aggressive, or oppressive, it's the question I always always comes to mind is who whose joy are you denying? Because it feels as though you're kind of, maybe there's something there that you haven't allowed for in yourself. And when you see someone else allowing that, it kind of triggers something in you that goes, why can't I, like, why can't I have that? And if I can't have that, then they can't have that. But actually, no, we can all have that. (laughs) You know, I've seen it in myself. I remember seeing people who, for example, like had facial hair and wore makeup. And I remember seeing that and going like, oh, that's not a good look. Oh yeah, no, not for me. And it was totally because it was exactly what I wanted. (laughs) and I was scared of that and I was scared of welcoming things that are seen as feminine back into my life because it had come to represent something that was painful and so once I was able to recognize that and welcome it back into my life and stop denying myself that then I opened that door to joy again and I I see it in in so many little things I think we all do it in in some form or another it just gets magnified when it comes to trans joy and the trans experience and, and queer experiences of, of joy and happiness because there's something that we're all all denying and to see people who have chosen to address that and to accept and to experience joy it kind of it it um forces you to question things and that can make people uncomfortable
1: To me, you definitely feel like a person that is able to hold that space for themselves So you talk so eloquently. And I think that kind of self awareness, and that ability to kind of tune in and to nurture that space that you hold for yourself. And I think, you know, that can be, you know, years of self inquiry. That can be the people that you surround yourself with, how you engage. And so I wondered if there was anything that has stayed with you, you know, from your own self development or your artistic development, maybe words of wisdom or knowledge that's been imparted that you've kind of carried through.
0: I don't know if I can recall exactly where this thought came from but um from multiple sources I've kind of been very drawn to the notion of chaos (laughs) it's it really has brought me so much comfort because chaos I don't see as a intrinsically bad or positive thing it just is and life is just chaos the fact that we're even having this conversation right now is just it's chaotic it's insane like what how is this even possible? There's just so many things that have led up to this very conversation that seem it's impossible to even begin to understand why. And to let go of the need to understand why and just accept it as a result of chaos is just so helpful to me. And to then take that forward into, you know, from the past through the present into the future of just accepting it and trusting myself to be able to deal with it. Um, you know, there will be days when I will not be dealing with it as well. And there'll be days when I am able to accept and enjoy the chaos and days when I really am bummed out by it. And that's fine. That's a part of the chaos. (laughs) Um, and I think that comes a bit from like the things that I've been learning at school, um, beginning of the year, I kind of, dipped my toe into reading a little bit about quantum physics and this kind of possibility, like I mentioned earlier, of, you know, something being, um, being and not being simultaneously. Um, And, you know, all of this, I think there's so many different ways in which people are exploring chaos whether that's through art, through dance, through science, whether that be through biological evolutionary chaos or through quantum field theory. um, Or, you know, there are so many ways in which I think people are kind of dealing with chaos that it just seems like it's there, like it's always there. And we're all just trying to understand it through some way or another. And to just see that as an ever-present thing it's almost become like a spiritual <laughs> thing for me to to um just sit in the chaos and um and i think if you allow your gender to be as equally chaotic as everything else then you can just accept so many parts of yourself it opens so many avenues and it's it's kind of crazy that all of that can fit in your own head <laughs> but it does Um, somehow or another sometimes you need to get it out in a piece of writing or um, baking a cake or whatever it is Um, we're always embodying that chaos somehow and I feel like gender is just one tiny element of that chaos and to let go of the the need to define that um, experience and just allow for that to be a part of the chaos I think is that's kind of um, like the root of I guess like how I've come to accept um myself and yeah. Chaos. Gender chaotic. That's my that's my gender identity. <laughs>